Do you want to build your brand by being a guest on industry-leading podcasts? If you own a business, my guess is you do. So picture this. You, a dynamic executive, effortlessly connecting with engaged audiences, turbocharging your top-of-funnel marketing, and creating a treasure trove of content with every episode. Podcasting is the game changer you've been waiting for, and PodcastAlly.com is your VIP ticket to podcast PR success. Say goodbye to the ordinary and hello to the extraordinary exposure. Head over to PodcastAlly.com now and let them know that Pretty OK sent you. Your brand deserves to shine, and they're ready to make it happen. Another episode of Pretty Okay Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Welker. And I am Taylor Holman. And we are not being moderated by Chris Wallace today. <laughs> we are not. We moderate our own shit. We do. Um, I don't know about you, but I have a debate hangover this morning, like, and not just from the copious amounts of canned wine that I had to drink to get me through it, which, you know me, I'm not a drinker. I'm a, I, I like mine. And yes, you can't see the smoking <laughs> gesture that Taylor just did, but I'm not a drinker. But like, as I think we were five minutes into it and I was like, do we have any wine left over from that photo shoot that we did for Jam Sellers? Because I need a fucking drink. And this morning, I just felt like <laughs> not hungover from wine again, but hungover from like exhaustion, mental exhaustion, I guess, and like emotional exhaustion and frustration. And I, I definitely got out of bed later than usual today because I was just like, I can't tackle this day yet. But but I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> Good. I'm glad through. you're here. I'm glad you're here. But yes, last night, I mean, almost immediately I had that same reaction. I was like, this is, so this is gonna, this is gonna be how it goes. Okay. And Brett kept asking me if we could turn it off. And I was like, no, we need to watch the whole thing. Um, I will say that I'm really glad that the next debate is a town hall style. Yeah. Fingers crossed that it, has a better outcome because <laughs> well it should because Trump's not there <laughs> oh my god um but yeah I mean I think it's it is totally justified to be mentally and emotionally exhausted because we all just like if that were happening in real life we would have walked out of the room and be like all right old guys fucking just you do you over there in that corner dude but we couldn't walk out of the room so no. It was like being yelled at the whole time. Yeah. It was a little bit like a car crash too, where I was like, I can't look away, (laughs) but also I I shouldn't be looking at this. And I wasn't even going to watch it originally, but Steven got home early from work yesterday and he was like, Hey, should we turn it on? I was like, eh, all right. I guess I should like, you know, I know what it's going to be, but I guess I should, but I still wasn't quite mentally prepared for it to be that big of a clusterfuck (laughs) and for it to take an emotional toll on me. I was just like, I felt drained afterwards because I'm like, God, this, look, I'm, 
not excited about Biden. I know this is not a political podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I just like, you know, he, he he didn't give an Oscar-worthy performance, but it was still nothing compared to the dumpster fire that was just the toddler screaming over everybody. So if you're feeling emotionally drained today, although this will be about a week after. <laughs> You're still feeling emotionally drained. I'm still feeling emotionally drained, guys. Even though this is Wednesday, this is uh, a week after the debate that you're going to be listening to this. Just know that I'm still emotionally drained. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Um, all right, let's pivot. <laughs> Hard pivot. I mean, we could talk politics all day, but that's not why you guys are here. Yeah. We want that. DM me and, and and I'll have a private sidebar with you. <laughs> yeah. Just if you want rage about politics, just follow me on Twitter, guys. <laughs> Sorry if there's like a weird hum in the background. My, I'm literally sitting next to my air conditioning vent and it's 95 degrees, but... So sorry if that assaults your earbuds today, but at least I won't eat anything. Have you ever listened to a podcast where somebody eats? No. That Green seems... Tea. Podcasting 101. Don't yeah. crunchies. Yeah, no. Granted, it was a one of my drag queen podcasts, so it's like not necessarily the most professional. <laughs> but one time somebody was eating on it, and I was just like, this is the most assaulting thing that's ever happened to my ears. I want I, – I feel gnarly and intense about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to listen to someone chomping, no. let alone – the other sounds that come out of your mouth, not yeah. intentionally, but just, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. I, we, we solemnly do swear to never eat on this podcast. <laughs> yep. For sure. Uh, but how are you? How are things going? Uh, I can't really complain. I mean, I'm alive. I'm healthy. I still have work. I still have most of my sanity. Bitchin'. So, you know, yeah, we're just going to keep on keeping on. But I you am glasses on today. Yes, these are my Gloria's um, <laughs> called or named after Gloria Steinem. They're yep. really just computer glasses, but my actual glasses are called my Rachel's because they look like Rachel Maddow's glasses. <laughs> so, you know, I just did you name these or did they come named? No, I named them. <laughs> I love your little feminist heart. <laughs> Yeah, you know, however I can sneak it in there, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna sneak it in. So I would yeah. love to get an actual pair of glasses that looks like this, but Warby Parker was sold out. Mm. Apparently, they're very cool. You now you need some RBG glasses. Yes, I have an RBG collar because my family dressed up. My family is very funny and quirky, and their Christmas photos every year. Well, we don't manage to take one every year because there's so much pressure to like come up with an amazing concept. Yeah. But after what was this? I think it was 2018, right after Kavanaugh was um, appointed to the Supreme Court, we all dressed up in black robes, like academic robes. And we went to the high school my dad teaches at, went into the theater, pulled the stage curtain. Oh and God. then took a Supreme Court photo. And then my husband, Brett, was Brett Kavanaugh. And he was slamming a beer <laughs> while the rest of us are staged as, like, serious Supreme Court justices. And so, naturally, I was RBG. And so I have, a, I have an RBG collar. 
that my mom thinks that I should just start wearing for, you know, why the fuck not reasons. I concur with your mom. I think your family sounds like a riot and I'm very into that tradition. <laughs> That's yeah, way better gonna- than the Kardashian Christmas photos. The, the themed yeah. one. That's that's a way better idea. <laughs> yes. So um, I don't know that the Cusick Christmas card will happen this year, mm-hmm. but, you know, we'll figure something. Maybe we'll figure something out. Yeah. That's a pretty good one, though. That can tide you over for a few Christmases because it's just that good. <laughs> yeah. People have told us that we they don't expect us to ever top it. So now we're like, shit, yeah. there's so much pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. 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 Um, All right. Cool. Well, I'm excited about our topic today uh, because I think it's something that, you know, every business owner or creative entrepreneur kind of struggles with, um, and that's maximizing your content. Now, Taylor, when I say content, what am I talking about? Is this a trick question? No, it's not. (laughs) I would never do that to you. <laughs> never. You'd never try to trick me. Um, content is really any images, video, copy, graphics that you are creating on behalf of your business with the it, with some sort of goal in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like that intention can be something that can be measured in numbers. And sometimes that goal can just be that you want to feel like it worked. But content becomes content when there is a goal behind it, mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to just like sharing family photos, right? right. Like that's yeah. that's not so much content. That's just a, a photo that you shared on the internet. Why are you looking at me when you say that? Oh, I don't know. Because I'm just <laughs> I like making eye contact. I'm just kidding. yeah, dude. I love it when you share. Well, okay. Actually, this this creates kind of an interesting situation because for some people our personal lives are a part of our brand Mm -hmm. right so I guess sometimes even sharing personal posts and pieces of content can be actually content Yeah. Well, and I think that's, it's exactly what you just said. It's sharing something that has a goal. And if you're sharing something that's personal with the goal of connecting to your audience and sharing more about you, you know, that's content. When you're, I have a private uh, Rocky account that I share all my Rocky pictures on because I actually don't share that too terribly much of him on my, my main account. Um, You know, and that stuff, it's like, I'm not sharing that with a goal for anything. That's for the grandmas and (laughs) whoever else likes pictures of my kid's face. But yeah, when you, when, if like you're a lifestyle blogger or, you know, you want people to connect to your brand on a personal level as you should, sharing pictures of your family is totally content. So we are going to talk today about maximizing the content that you make so you're not spending 10,000 hours trying to come up with new pieces of content because who has the fucking time? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you and I are people who spend a lot of our time creating so content. So much so time. Much, so much time. I wish you guys could see my face. Just like, <laughs> like if I was tweaking out, that would be me. Um, but 
you know, it's our job to create content and for your average business owner, that's not their job, right? right. You have a lot more, res- a lot more responsibility. And so you don't have the luxury of having 20 to 40 or more hours a week dedicated to creating all this stuff. So I'm really excited to talk about ways that can almost talk people off the content ledge a little bit, right? So there's less frustration around it because obviously like I'm not a consistently and constantly frustrated person, even though I have to create an obnoxious amount of things to publish on the internet every week. (laughs) And You know, I think that if you are someone who's running a business or it's just not your jam, like you and I enjoy making content and we have done it for a long time. So it's kind of second nature to us. But if you're new to creating content for your business or you're just somebody who doesn't really enjoy it, like I know that it tends to become kind of like a second thought like an afterthought for people who are so busy doing other things, you know, cause they're like, Oh, well, I don't have time for this, but creating content is something that is so crucial to your brand, especially right now, like in our social media age. I think that a lot of people don't understand, like they know they need it, but they don't quite understand how beneficial it is. But because content has so many different purposes. Like we already talked a little bit about one of them, which was showing your your personality. Like if you're sharing pictures of your family, connecting with your audience, you know. But content has has a lot of different purposes that I think we're going to touch on today. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, content is, it's imperative that mm-hmm. you get on this content train right now. I mean, when I think about the businesses that are doing okay right now with more traditional marketing channels and means being really limited. Mm -hmm. The people who are most comfortable with creating content and spinning up a digital marketing strategy are the ones who are doing fine. So this is, I really think that it's a foundational piece of any modern business, but it also should and can be a part of like your fallback plan for, you know, in case of emergency, break this fucking piece of glass. And then, you know, you have a plan to make sure that your business is still moving forward instead of standing still in time. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, content, it, it has so many benefits for you. Like you're never going to regret sharing content for your brand, unless you share something like, you know, awful and shitty, like (laughs) racist, Racist. let's just say it racist. (laughs) Um, But I mean, content can, you know, it can show your personality to your audience. It can show your expertise. That's like one of my biggest things with content is I'm always telling people like, use it to prove that you are a thought leader in the space. You know, people are never going to know how smart you are or qualified you are or how much you have to offer if you don't shove it in their face with content. (laughs) Like there are so many other people doing that, that if you truly want people to know that about you and to believe you and to buy into your brand, 
you, you've got to be putting out content that, that spells it out for them. Um, and then of course, you know, one of the biggest ones, the purpose of content is driving people to your website, <laughs> getting those conversions. If you are a product-based business or even, you know, a, a, a service-based business, either way, you want people to go on your website and buy your shit. Yeah. So your content is, you know, one of the things that's at the very tip top of your marketing funnel. It's that yeah. thing that's going to scratch people's itches and <laughs> perk their ears up and do all the weird things in weird places to get them thinking about coming back for more and then eventually, hopefully in the future, giving you monies. Yeah. Give you all the monies. All the monies. <laughs> um, and so one of the things that I kind of want to talk about, and I think you have a lot of really good insight on this is the different types of content you should be creating because not all content is created equal. Not all content is going to serve the same purpose for your brand. So can you kind of walk us through just a little bit of, of what types of content you should be creating? Yeah. I mean, I like to talk about marketing in general in buckets, but mm. when it comes to content, for sure, I think that's even kind of become part of the vernacular is creating different content buckets. And when we talk about that, it's really just meant to help you visualize, okay, well, I have, let's just say I have three buckets and they're each going to hold something completely different from the one next to it. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are three main content buckets in this for for this conversation and the first one is content that is really specifically meant to build your brand and this is one of the types or this is i think the bucket that older or more traditional marketers <laughs> might not totally understand all the time when it comes to creating content for the internet. Um, I have raised your hand if you've had to beat your head up against the wall because some old fucking dude didn't get what you were trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So when it comes to the brand building stuff, you know, in general, I think this is the this is definitely the bucket where you can like rely on your gut and your intuition. Mm -hmm. Is this helping me build trust? Is this helping me or helping people feel more confident about my brand? Is this helping people see me as a thought leader? Those are not necessarily things that you can quantify with numbers, but like you know. Yeah. If things are moving in that right direction. So there's a lot of stuff you need to create in the brand building space, mm -hmm. um, which also is definitely tied into your brand recognition. Um, yeah. That's also something that's like just really hard to put tick marks next to. The next bucket is sales and marketing driven content. So obviously here, conversions and numbers become king or queen. Mm -hmm. So this stuff has a very pointed goal. And there's also money on the other. Money is usually the marker of success in that space. Right. 
those conversions. Yeah, conversions, 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 conversions. Give me your monies. And the last one is SEO driven content. And the way you measure success in this space is web, like your web, your, whoa, whoa. Taylor's not doing so hot on the words today. Um, <laughs> I'm not taking that out, FYI. <laughs> no, you shouldn't take that out. That should, that should be left in. Um, your SEO-driven content, you measure the success of that in the numbers that you see in your website's analytics. So yeah. that one's really, the intention is to drive traffic to a specific page of your website or landing page or product page. So those are the three different types of content buckets that I think every business owner should have. And I mean, like when Sam and I were chatting beforehand, each one of these buckets could have its own podcast episode where we really dive deep into the like the specific pieces of content you would create. But we have so much to chat through today that we'll leave it high level. If you're like chomping at the bits for more, shoot us a DM. We'll we'll share a few more ideas before we dive yeah. deeper later. Yeah, we can we can break that down a little bit more. I know. Even as you're talking about it, I'm like, well, let's talk about this and let's talk about this. And I'm like, no, no, we don't have time. We don't have time. No time. Come on. Where's Chris Wallace? Moderate my shit. Come on. <laughs> Keep me on track. <laughs> Just kidding. He didn't do that. But <laughs> I, what you were saying about brand building content, like just one point before we, we move on to the next topic, but I am of the belief, and I know that other people have different markers for this, but I believe that content should be about 80% value, 20% hard sales, you know, 20% pitching. Because the thing is that people don't want to be pitched to 24-7, you know? They don't want to follow you to be like, hey, give me money. Hey, hey, buy this. Hey, you know, they you should be providing value to the content that you're sharing and to your audience. And, you know, then when those pitches come in and those hard sells, I always feel like that just makes it a better conversion when they've had so much time for that brand building content, you know, that 80% that is providing value and showing them who you are and why they should want to buy from you rather than just like, Here's my product. Click this button, you know. So yeah. My, my my two cents on on that guy. No, that's totally right. I mean, your brand building content is priming someone for the marketing and sales driven content. Yeah. So Bull show. Um, so the biggest issue I think that people have with content is finding the time to create it. Because like you and I said earlier it's our job, you know, and it's hard to, it's hard to find those fucking extra hours where you can write a blog post, you know, plan out your social media captions for the week. Like it's hard to do. And it's even harder to do if it's not something you like to do, because we all know human nature is the things we don't really like to do or the things we feel like we're not good at. we push them back. We procrastinate. We don't do them. <laughs> so how do we find the time to create the content that our brands so desperately need? Existential questions, right? <laughs> how do already busy ass people find more time in their calendar? 
Um, you know, when, when push comes to shove, one of the things that, or one of the reasons, probably the biggest reason that I think people um, external to me think that I like, or they see me just create, like I said, an obnoxious amount of content on every given or during any given week, you have to be dedicated. You have yeah. to decide that the, this is just the shit you got to do just mm-hmm. as much as your bookkeeping or, you know, your quality control on your product or answering your customer service emails. You have to just hold yourself accountable to it and keep yourself as much as possible. We're all human. Even I will, you know, push something back every now and then, but you have to do your very best to just say, this is the deadline I set and God fucking damn it. I'm going to fucking get it done. <laughs> and that is just that's something there. That's some new merch for us right there. Yes. God fucking damn it. I'm going to get it done. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's really, it's really hard for people to hold themselves to deadlines because when they are self-inflicted deadlines, you're like, well, I, I said it so I can move it, but I treat deadlines that I put on paper as the fucking deadline. And so you just, that's how you find quote unquote, find the time is you just hold yourself accountable to it. Um, I think that that's step one because yeah, if you don't like it, obviously you're just going to keep kicking it down the road. And then just like your bookkeeping that you haven't touched in 12 months and now you hate yourself for it, (laughs) you're not going to have published anything and you're also going to hate yourself for it. Yeah, for sure. And, and this is, I like Asana for this because I'm, I'm very much like you where I assign my own deadlines and, you know, my husband will be like, you're the one who assigned it. Like you can move it. You don't have to stay up till 10 to finish it. And I'm like, no, God damn it. I'm going to finish it. (laughs) And so it's, I like to use Asana to track those things and keep those deadlines kind of at the forefront of everything that I do, you know? So when I'm looking at my day, I'm like, okay, well, I can't do this because I have to write this blog post. Like if I don't write this blog post, I don't get to mark it off. And I don't know if you've tried Asana yet, but when you mark things off, you get magical little flying birds and unicorns across the screen. And it's incredibly gratifying. (laughs) Totally is. Totally is. I mean, I use... I basically collect project management systems because (laughs) some of my clients are on this one, some of them are on that one. Um, But regardless of what brand I'm creating on behalf of, there is a digital calendar that has the either like turn in date or publish date. Mm -hmm. And then what I personally do is after that set, I go to my paper calendar where I keep my daily tasks because yeah. I, I just love, I love yeah. me a good, I am love it. Yep. So I set the, the deadlines on my digital calendar and then on my paper calendar, I immediately go like two weeks prior to it, sometimes more. And I write down like, this is when I'm going to write this. And mm-hmm. I, I personally like to give myself that two to three week head start 
just in case some like real shit hits the fan, like real life happens and I have to move it, then I've worked in a buffer, but I still am going to like, I write it in pen. My paper calendar is in pen. Like yeah. that freaks people out. And I'm like, no, that's how serious I am about getting this motherfucking thing done on this day. <laughs> You are a special breed. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, I mean, that's that's what helps me, again, quote unquote, find time in what is a, you know, an overscheduled calendar. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do it a couple different ways. You know, you can build an hour into each day to map out your content, you know, for the next day. Or you can batch it where you – dedicate each Tuesday, you know, to planning out your social media calendar, planning out your blog posts, writing the blog posts that you have scheduled for the next few coming weeks. Once you make it part of your routine, it's just so much easier to do because it becomes natural. You know, it's like, it's like anything else with a business. Like, yeah, it's a little bit of a struggle at first till you find your rhythm. And then once you do, it just becomes part of what you do as a business owner. Um, So I think it's the biggest thing here is holding yourself accountable, like Taylor said, and, you know, setting a schedule that you're going to stick with. One that's realistic. If you're like, I'm going to write six blog posts today, that's that's not realistic. Like, start with one, build up your your stamina, you know, see how, see how you work best. It'll take some trial and error, but it'll feel better once you do. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. How many, how many blog posts in one day do you feel like your brain can handle? I typically write about three posts a day, but I'm a freak. Um, You are a freak. Yeah. And it's my, you know, it's my job. (laughs) Like I write 96% of the content for Glitter Guide. Um, And so for me, And there are different levels too. You know, there's different content that takes longer to write than other pieces of content that are a little easier for me to throw together. So I, you know, my job is a lifestyle website. (laughs) So if I don't get the content done, there is no company. (laughs) So true that. I've gotten pretty good at, at churning it out. And I actually really enjoy it. Like it's one of my favorite parts, you know, writing blog posts. So it makes it a little easier. I would highly recommend everybody starts with like one or two a week (laughs) and build up from there if you're not used to writing content because, and this is something we can kind of dive into later on a different episode, if that content doesn't have the, the elements to it that you need, like SEO, you know, and, and having things that are going to provide that value, then what is the point? So it's not just about creating content. It's about creating good content that's purposeful for you and your brand. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, I feel like then- my brain burns out pretty quickly. But I I tend to – not that the things that you write for Glitter Guide are not <laughs> amazing pieces. <laughs> Often what I'm writing about is like business and like yeah. marketing – Yes. Um, so it, my brain conks out after like one piece, but my pieces also tend to be 800 to like 1400 words. Right. So I just, I wanted to ask because I wanted people to like see like, you know, Hey, 
what are what are Taylor and Sam pumping out? I mean, yeah. on any given month, I'm probably I probably write fifteen blog posts a month in total. Okay. And I um, do about sixteen a week. But like you said, they're different. <laughs> well, they're different. Like, you know, I yeah. writing a post about quirky candles is a little different than writing about some like high level piece about marketing. Um, but then, you know, I do have posts that I, I, I dive a little deeper into. It's all, like I said, that variation. Here's some sales and marketing stuff. Here's some SEO content. Here's some brand building content about creativity. Like, you know, it's it's a, an interesting balance, but it definitely leads to creating a shit ton of content because <laughs> yeah. yeah. we have about three posts that go up a day um, and one on Saturday. So plus newsletters, that's another one. Oh, so yeah. always, always creating a ton of content, but I love it and I'm here for it. Yeah. And that's why we're going to yeah. talk about it because we're good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And so- what if you're not good at it and you hate it, what should you do? Think about outsourcing it or yeah. part of it, mm-hmm. um, which in the grand scheme of things, I'm not going to lie. If you're working with someone who's really good is not going to be cheap. Like no. I, Jillian and I are not cheap, um, but you get really high quality stuff from us. Like we don't yeah. fuck around with right what we do for clients. I definitely know I have heard of some rates of what people charge for blog posts. And I'm just like, you can't be making money off of that. And it's probably an absolute pile of dog crap because if it like, you know, your rates should reflect your expertise and your sure. ability. And if someone is charging you $50 for a 500 word blog post, I'm going to go with that's a pilot poo poo. Yeah. <laughs> and you should find someone else. Um, I'm not saying that everyone needs to work with the most expensive social media managers or copywriters they can find. But if you are choosing to outsource something, I really, really want to encourage people to ask for samples. Like, oh yeah, if cop, if a good copywriter should be able to provide you with some metrics of some sort, um, even if it's just a strong client testimonial about what their content has done for them. Um, yeah, don't. And actually, also, because I've seen, I saw this, and I was like. A little bit of me died inside because the Google gods do not like duplicative content. Mm -mm. So if someone is selling a done for you blog post that other people can purchase, you do an about face and you run in the other direction because they shouldn't be selling a product like that. It will ding you in terms of your, what do you even call them? However Google scores you, right? It's not like this is your SEO score ranking, but like do not ever purchase a done for you blog post or piece of content that is available for 
tens of thousands of other people to buy. Yeah. And don't, and if you do hire somebody to create original content for you, you've got to have a contract or, you know, some kind of agreement in writing that they cannot repurpose that and resell it um, and just change out the brand name or whatever, you know, to other clients because guys that fucks with your SEO, it fucks with your rankings and Google. Like if you're not going to create the content yourself, hire somebody who will create the original content and not somebody who's just like kind of a stopgap for filling in those content holes. Cause they're at the end, they're going to hurt you instead of help you. Totally. I actually, a few weeks ago, was checking my website analytics like I do on the regular. And I noticed that I had a new referring link. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? And I clicked through and I saw a, what I found was a blog post that I had written for another company republished in its entirety. Mm. Like, t- like with, credits that I wrote it, but literally it was just copied and pasted onto their blog. And I was like, you take that down right now. You republish that with A, without my permission. And B, this was a tech startup. And I was like, shouldn't you know that duplicative content is a big no-no? So for many reasons, I was just shocked (laughs) <laughs> to find that. Um, but also, yes. So don't ever like copy and paste content, even if it was something that, you know, you wrote, if you wrote it for someone else to publish or share, do not, you know, you can write a, a unique introduction to it and then link out, but mm-hmm. don't just straight up copy and paste it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I mean, we could get into this with SEO and stuff, but the whole do follow and no follow link thing kind of comes into play with, with people creating, how do you say that word? Duplicative. Duplicative. I like that. I've never, I learned something new today. (laughs) Um, But you know, I mean, so that's a whole, there's a whole bunch of ways to fuck up your, your SEO and for people finding you who aren't necessarily following you on social media, because that's the thing I think people forget is that not all your clients and customers are going to come from Instagram, you know, or from Pinterest. Like it's, that's why content is so valuable is because it opens up to millions of other people who could just be typing something into Google, you know, and, and find you that way. So I think everything that you're saying, it sounds like my nightmare (laughs) about that blog post. Did you email them and ask them to take it down? Oh, immediately. I immediately emailed them and they took it down. So it was, it was not an asshole letter, but it was strongly worded enough. Yeah. And I found the, the email contact for the company's CMO Mm. and put them on it. Nice. So I was like, I want you to know what your marketing team is doing and you should be just as appalled as I am. Yeah. So, but it's just, that's lame guys. Yeah. Um, So, okay. Batch your time, set a regular schedule, outsource it if you can but find a good quality person to outsource it to. 
like GG copywriting. <laughs> GG is the best. Um, so let's kind of dive into the nitty gritty of tips for maximizing your content. And this is kind of a very hefty topic, but we're going to share our best tips. Um, I, I know that for me, you know, like I said, I create 15 to 16 blog posts a week. And when I first started at Glitter Guide, one of the things that I had noticed, and they had a whole, they had a different like social media manager. I say they, we had a different social media manager at the time who was in charge of, you know, Pinterest and Instagram and everything like that. And I was looking at my best friend, Google Analytics, and seeing that content, you know, would have this spike on the day that it was published, and then it would just flatline from there on out. And there, so there are two different types of content, right? There's evergreen content, and then there's kind of that more, do you have a specific marketing word for that timely content? Yeah, timely or like relevant content. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's stuff that is going to have a shorter lifespan than your evergreen content. Um, Like it could be something seasonal. It could be something kind of about like, like a news article today about the debate, right? Like I don't really want to read that six months from now. Um, So we create a variety of that kind of content because they both have their different benefits. And we have a huge following on Pinterest. I think we're at like 1.4 million right now. And that is where 60% of our traffic comes from. And I think that people don't utilize Pinterest enough uh, in their marketing because they are overwhelmed or they just think that, oh, well, Instagram's where all my clients are. You know, Pinterest is such a gold mine in terms of repurposing your content because it has that kind of longer lifespan. And I always tell this to, to partners too, that I, I say, you know, Instagram's great. Yeah, we can do a static Instagram post, but Pinterest is where it's at because that shit's going to live on and it's going to continue to get clicks and grow. And we have posts that went live two years ago and all of a sudden they'll be our top post of the week because it got some resurgence on, on Pinterest. And all of a sudden there's 10,000 new clicks to it in one day. So for me, I think that Pinterest is a great source for repurposing that content so you can maximize it and squeeze as much juice out of it as possible. Yeah. And And scene. (laughs) You know, I think one of the, the roadblocks to Pinterest is the graphics. Sure. Right. Because like just as much as people hate writing, um, most people, I mean, are physically able to type words. Sure. But a lot of people who are able to physically type words are not, don't feel able to create graphics. So if, if y'all haven't heard about Canva. The best. Like it is an amazing so piece of well it's not even a piece of software it's a web app sorry that's yeah. so so nerdy <laughs> like it's not even it's a web application um <laughs> but it makes it super super easy for you to create graphics to share on pinterest they have templates there um even some of the apps that i have on my phone that are meant 
more or mostly for creating um, graphics for Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. It's like a very similar aspect ratio or, you know, the dimensions between Instagram stories and Pinterest. So, you know, even if you feel like Canva is too intense for you, which I'm going to really think that it's, I'm going to strongly suggest that it's not too intense for you. Um, Yeah. But you can also use an app that you would really reach for when you're creating Instagram story content and then save that to your phone, get it on your computer so that you can then share it on, on Pinterest. Cause like applause, agree, bow down, like you gotta reshare your old content and doing it on a platform like Pinterest that turns it into an evergreen piece is really, really smart. Yeah. Yeah. And with Pinterest too, um, cause you know, we'll, we'll share just images from a blog post, right? And put in the title and the caption and whatever. And then we'll also create specific graphics for that. And I create all my graphics on Canva. I fucking love Canva. I can't handle Photoshop. That's terrifying to me or Illustrator, whatever the actual graphic designers of the world use. <laughs> um, but Canva is is brilliant and it's got templates, you know, so you just literally like type in the title of your your blog post, drag an image into it, download it, you're good to go. So by doing that, it doubles the audience for the content because you're creating this graphic, you're sharing direct images. And then of course you have different boards that you can pin to. I love Pinterest guys. Can you tell? (laughs) But um, one of the other things I'll do is I'll create variations of graphics for the same post because one graphic that reaches one subset might not necessarily reach this other subset. So if you have the time to create multiple graphics, you know, this is something that I, I dedicate like a couple hours to a week is creating Pinterest graphics for old content. Um, I think that it's just a really smart way to, to breathe some new life into your, your pre-existing content that you spent so much time working on. Totally. And if you are going to batch your time and create multiple graphics, then if you are using a social media scheduler like later is the one that I use, then you can go in and schedule out these pins to drip out over the next week or month. Right. So, you know, like Sam talked about at the start of this section where she would see spikes and then just a flat line using tactics like this are a way for you to, make sure that your content isn't flatlining the day after yep. you publish it. Yeah. Cause that's such a bummer. Like, Oh, cool. This many people saw it and then nobody ever sees it again. Cause <laughs> you guys, there's a lot of fucking content out there in the world. So you've got to make moves to get yours in front of eyeballs. That's just the way it is. There's no magic content fairy. That's going to do it for you. No, it's definitely going through the motions. What's kind of your approach to repurposing, maximizing content? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely am someone who thinks of blog posts as like, well, mostly because they take the most time, right? Sure. Like to sit down and come up with a concept and, and coherently write <laughs> about it. Um, so my approach is to start with, a blog post and then break it up into smaller pieces so that I can reshare on different platforms. 
Um, so I take the topic like today on my blog, I just published a piece about three different types of couples and marketing tips for each. So I published it on my blog. It went out as an email newsletter. I posted about it on Facebook. I posted about it on Instagram. I storied about it on Instagram and I pinned it on Pinterest. So from one blog post, I in total created six pieces of marketing content to share today. And then over time, I also like to do what Sam does and just, hey, if I don't have something to talk about, then if I'm always making an effort to write high quality pieces that are evergreen, that means they never are irrelevant. Right. So I can share it again at any point in time. Um, and so that's, that's essentially my content distribution plan for any new blog posts. Like I make sure that I do all of those things. And I know that there's, there are more options because people could be TikToking or making reels or, you know, turning their blog posts into a, like a video to share on YouTube. I mean, there are a ton of options available for mm-hmm. you to repurpose and reshare content, but picking the ones that are most likely to put your piece of content in front of your potential client or purchaser um, is the most important thing to do. So, yeah. so that is, that is my approach. Um, I mean, overall, when it comes to the content I'm creating, I definitely follow the, you know, the 80, whether you want to call it the 80, 20 rule or the, if people have not read the book, Jab, jab, right hook. I mean, oh, you never read that book? I mean, you don't actually have to read it because the long and short of it is give, 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 and then only occasionally ask for the sale. So it's the same Ah. thing. Um, So you don't have to read the 200 pages to learn that (laughs) from it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so in general, most of my content is a mix of general brand building stuff. And then, you know, on occasion I'm throwing a beefier piece out there, but sure. Um, one of my, my personal go-tos that I started doing years ago is I simply use the introduction that I wrote for a blog post as the caption that I share on Instagram and Facebook. Cause I mean, really they're serving. I mean, I have to add a call to action at the end of it, to make sure that people know what they need to do in order to read it. But an introduction in a blog post really serves a very similar purpose as what you would share as a caption. So do the lazy smart thing and mm-hmm. reuse what you already took the time to wrote. To yeah, wrote, I do to too. <laughs> but you took the time to wrote. No. Wrote it. Right. Did you wrote it? it? I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I do the same thing though. Like even for pretty okay stuff, when I write the intro for the show notes or I write the description before it uploads to Apple Podcasts, I just copy and paste that shit and I use it for like four other spots because 
it's such a time saver and you have other things to do. You don't need to write so much like an intro here, intro there, a caption here, a caption there. You can repurpose this stuff, you know? Um, I actually, not to go back to Pinterest, but I keep uh, like a pages doc on my uh, desktop that's that I just call Pinterest SEO. And so it's just snippets of SEO terms for Pinterest that I've used previously, you know, like say we shared a roundup of mid-century furniture, you know, so I'll have my my chunk of SEO terms for that post. And then say like four months later, <laughs> I've got another thing about mid-century furniture. I just reuse those. Like I save it. I have this ever running dock of of things that like, okay, well, this might come in handy later. And then I don't have to sit here and retype it all out. Um, so, you know, we're all about the the lazy smart way to do things here. Time yeah. management. <laughs> yeah. And actually the other thing that I do not nearly as often, but you know, it is something that I probably should do a little bit more is because of the way that I tend to format my blog posts where mm-hmm. it's an introduction and then like three to five body paragraphs that where each body paragraph talks about something different. I mean, if I have three body paragraphs, then that in itself could be three different captions that I share on social media that still are pointing back to the same blog post. So like, don't be afraid to get in there and dissect something that you wrote and, you know, figure out ways to make it look different. Right. Right. So, cause the, I mean, the truth is, is that our content only gets seen by a small percentage of our audience when mm-hmm. we share it. So the likelihood that anyone is seeing stuff over and over again is so low. Um, yeah. So that's just something you need. I think people need to realize is that your audience is going to be like, Oh, Taylor shared this exact caption three weeks ago. You know, you guys don't know. You guys are just double tapping and like on occasion actually reading things. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, is that like people so rarely, well, I shouldn't say so rarely, but the majority of the people that see your content don't follow through with the call to action and go click on the link in bio. You know, it's just, it's too much work for us. We're, <laughs> humans are lazy creatures. But so you need to give them something that will really propel them to do it. So kind like you post, say you post that blog post on the first day, right? And then like a week later, you make a graphic out of a quote from that blog post and reshare it and repost your, your call to action. Like somebody might read that quote and be like, Oh, that sounds interesting. I want to read more, you know? So it's like Taylor said, dissect the shit out of whatever you've written and squeeze all the juice out of it that you can, because you deserve to get your, not your money's worth, but your bang for your buck, you know, for your time out of, out of that content. Um, question. Yeah. Do you ever boost posts? No, not really. I know, like, I I know it's obviously beneficial, um, but I just, I don't, I don't do it. Every once in a while, we'll do a Pinterest ad um, for something really specific, but 
No, not too often. We kind of rely on that organic traffic. Yeah. I mean, I, I on occasion have boosted things, but I boost them with an audience that I set up. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that's, that's one of the things that I don't think one of the steps that I don't think people will actually go and follow through. If you are clicking boost and giving Facebook your money, <laughs> don't let them, don't just pick the default of what they're going to, or the people that they'll show your piece yeah. of content to because I have done that and I've, I have clients who have done that. And then when I go and I look through who is yeah. engaging with it, it's, it's total crap. Yeah. So if you are going to boost a piece of content, please be sure to go through the motions and take the time to set up a custom audience where it's actually people who might engage with you in the long term, as opposed to just like Joe Blow seven four five, who's based right. who the fuck knows where. Yeah, and I shouldn't say that we don't boost posts because we do actually both boast boost our holiday gift guides um, each year, and I always set up like a target audience for that. You know, not just because our our gift guides are like home, lifestyle, beauty, right? They're categorized. So I don't just pick like beauty as my target audience. I'll pick people who follow Sephora and Ulta and Dermastore and, but then also people who follow, you know, style me pretty or like publications that are similar to Glitter Guide because just because somebody follows Sephora doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be in your ideal audience for a beauty gift guide. (laughs) So I think we should do a whole episode maybe on on Facebook ads and all that stuff because it is nitty gritty and intense. And, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of success with it, uh, working with other brands, but I think it's something that is so confusing to so many people. Yeah. I, I have a go-to, uh, friend who that's all she does is Facebook advertising. Cause I feel like even though that that's one of my 30 tabs that lives on my browser every day, I feel like every time I go in there, something is different. Yeah. And when interfaces change, I get thrown off because I'm like, no, my brain had already made this mental map of like, this is what I need to do. And now they've changed it. So um, I would love to do an episode really diving into like the purpose of advertising and, and, expectations around it and how you use it and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think that, um, the way Facebook ads is set up and if, and if you don't know, Facebook owns Instagram. So if you're doing Instagram ads, they're also through Facebook, their interface is not, uh, intuitive. It's not super user-friendly. Like it's definitely geared towards a very specific subset of marketers who have specific skills. So if you're a business owner who logs in there, you're just going to look at it and go, what the fuck? And turn around and leave real quick. So I think that would be something beneficial we could talk about at some point. Yes. So um, I think I only have one more tip. Hit it. And that is to use Calls to action. Mm. CTAs. CTAs. Because if you are 
not being explicit about what it is you want someone to do after seeing this piece of content, mm-hmm. then it's like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, does it actually <laughs> make a sound type conundrum? <laughs> so um, people, like we've talked about, we've used this word many times in today's episode, people are lazy. <laughs> um, we all really want to be told what to do. And so using CTAs is a great way and a very simple step that you can take to help maximize the engagement that you're getting with any given piece of content. Yes, for sure. People need that nudge, you know, that, that extra push. And I know that it's 2020 and people have been using the internet for a while now, especially Instagram, but there are still people who just don't understand the concept of, (laughs) wait, where's my link in bio? What's a link tree? Like there are, you know, everybody's got different things in their bio these days, which can make it a little confusing when you're posting on Instagram. Um, But I think spelling shit out for people is always going to help your brand in the long run. Just assume people are dumb. Let's be honest. Not dumb. Yeah. Uh, nope, dumb's good. I'll keep it. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Sam looked away while she paused. And like, nope, nope, I'm back. Yep, dumb is good. <laughs> uh, well, you really, you really have to like water it down and yeah. like speak in the most simple language. Like all of these things that basically, if you if if it would be good enough for a kindergartner to understand, that's really probably the, the tact you should take. Yes. So, but we or, love you. I don't think you guys are dumb. You're no, not no, dumb. No. You're here. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, you guys are the smart ones who need to teach the dumb people. Again, I feel like dumb is harsh, but I'm not going to change it. I'm going to stand by it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else. Like, I was going to say inept, but that almost sounds worse. That's worse. That's worse. That's worse. It's all right. That's why I said we'll stick with them. Um, Nope. Uneducated is bad, too. I give up. Sorry if anybody. Dumb it is. Dumb it is. All right. Uh, well, I think that was a, a meaty episode that now has spawned a few offshoot episodes <laughs> of things we need to talk about. Uh, if any of those in particular, like piqued your interest, send us a DM, like Taylor said, let us know if you want an, a specific episode that elaborates on any of these points. Uh, and we can, we can go from there because we're willing to get as nerdy as it takes guys. We'll do it. We'll so do it for nerdy. you. I'll put on my Rachel's and then we'll get real nerdy. <laughs> I love it. All right. So I think that's it from us for today. We'll be back in a couple weeks with a new episode. Uh, if you guys are still enjoying the podcast, which we hope you are, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We will have show notes with uh, resources and all that jazz up on prettyokpodcast.com. You can also, of course, always send us um, a message on the website through the contact form. Or like I said, send us a DM. We're on on Instagram chatting away. 
Uh, you lost pretty poorly or pretty badly in my poll yesterday about being Instagram ready versus being manic Monday. Oh, I was, I was not in fact Instagram ready. I was. Well, that's, that's false advertising. That's why I posted the story. That's why I posted the story of the cat furiously typing on a keyboard. Um, Yeah. And yesterday, half of the day, I was very Instagram ready because I had to record something with video. But then, holy shit, did I hit a wall Mm. at like yesterday afternoon. And yeah, it was, it was not bueno. So Oh, don't always believe what you see, friends. Instagram is bullshit. I say it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We always appreciate you. And we will talk to you in a couple weeks. Okay. Bye. Bye.